it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show, 1-866-408-7669. Welcome to the Thursday edition. Tulsi Gabbard's waiting on deck, and Carly Shimkus right up to that. We'll go deep into the news uh, that's happening today. We know the President of the United States is going to be active. Uh, Senator Tommy uh, Tummerville will be uh, saluting Title IX and the 50th anniversary of Title IX, as will Tulsi Gabbard shortly. And then the House Select Committee, around 3 o'clock today, will have their January 6th hearings. Now President Trump evidently upset that there aren't Republicans there to push back. That was the theory early on. Let's ignore it. Now they feel as though they can't ignore it. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Hispanic voters are no longer automatically Democrats. In fact, they are openly hostile to the Democratic Party. Joe Biden's support among Hispanics has dropped to a stunning 24%. The only group that continues to enthusiastically support Joe Biden is college-educated white voters in urban areas. Wow, politics, a massive shift in American in America as black and now Hispanics are running from the president and his party. The pronoun-obsessed Democratic Party of the GOP and they are, uh, are, are, are actually repulsive now to many. And are the GOP looking beyond President Trump to lead them back to power? Number two. It will send money, not just to states that decide to implement so-called red flag laws, but to every state to fund crisis intervention programs of their own choosing. And states that do not use the money for red flag laws will have to build in new due process protections well, that have never never been required before gun deal done it should should it pass or shouldn't it we will discuss what we know about the 80 page bill uh meanwhile uh more you more facts coming out about uvalde the shooting what cops didn't do and how kids unnecessarily died along with teachers they lied to us every step of the way and they keep doing it number one to the companies running gas stations and setting those prices at the pump this is a time of war global peril, Ukraine. These are not normal times. Bring down the price you are charging at the pump to reflect the cost you are paying for the product. What is he talking about? Uh, President Biden hits new lows on inflation, oil and gas, as he named villains in his incoherent attack on the American domestic policy, gas station owners, Vladimir Putin, when in reality he wanted to find a culprit. And if he needs to really, really find somebody to find guilty, I think he should find a mirror. Tulsi Gabbard, former congresswoman from Hawaii, former Democratic presidential candidate, first to really take apart and expose Kamala Harris in way over her head without and without really having depth on any issue, joins me now. Tulsi, welcome back. Hey, good morning, Brian. You have a lot on your agenda today. First, can we talk about Title IX? It's essentially yeah. said if you're going to have a college sport with men, you've got to have it just as many with women. How did it change things? Well, when you look at Title IX that was enacted 50 years ago, it was really uh, put in place to prohibit discrimination on the basis of sex. 
recognizing generally the biological differences between men and women, males and females. And, and you know, we've seen such tremendous progress, obviously, over the last 50 years. We continue to see women and girls just thriving off of the opportunities that were created because of Title IX. And yet now that we look at the decision that uh, or the statement that the Biden administration is likely going to be announcing today, uh, that really completely undermines and rejects the objective reality that there are physiological, biological differences between men and women um, just shows what an insane world we're living in. So we have people in the highest positions of power in this country who claim to be champions for women's rights, who claim to be feminists. And yet it's the height of hypocrisy that these very same people are simultaneously denying that there is such a thing as a woman at all. And so they're essentially erasing that objective reality that there are that I am a woman, that there are such things as as women. And uh, it's it's crazy. And that's what we're going to be gathering later today uh, with female athletes, uh, with different leaders to say this is insane and the White House and Congress needs to take action to protect women and girls, especially in the realm of sports. It's just unbelievable because you have a party that has just gone gender crazy. You have Governor Whitmer. Many people think a rising star. I think she's absolutely awful. Uh, she says uh, she calls him her, her gender menstruating people, menstruating people. I, the governor of Michigan, you can't say woman, girl. Yeah. You have to say menstruating person. Exactly. And and so that that's my point is you, you've got the governor of a state, you've got other people who are saying these same things, who are afraid to use the word woman, Brian. I'm I, I'm a woman. I I know all about how the, the the biology of women work because I am one. And yet you have people who say, Well, what is a woman? And they cannot even answer that most simple question. Uh this is a matter of science, it's a matter of biology, and again it's a matter of truth. And and you know, even taking a step back from from the very direct implications on on Title IX and in our schools, both high school and, and collegiate sports, once you once we as a society accept uh that you can deny objective reality, as the Biden administration is doing right now, then everything and anything goes. Then there is no such thing as the truth. Then you have, hey, if a man can become a woman just because he says I am a woman, then there is no objective reality of woman. There is no objective reality at all. Then anything goes. If I say anything, then you just have to accept it, regardless of whether or not it's true or not, whether or not uh, you have, again, in this instance, the right. biological fact uh, and health realities uh, that, that exist. Kelsey Gabbard, our guest. Uh, Kelsey, I have another event coming on later, but just before we leave the 50th anniversary of Title IX, uh, we're talking about uh, uh, to me, a very small subset of people who think that transgender people should be competing against women. It's not even good politics to do this. What faction of the Democratic Party is pleased with this? Uh, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Uh, but it, it seems like there are a lot of people who are uh, taking these decisions, these decisions because they're afraid. You know, I've got to believe that uh, you know, a lot of these people in Washington and, and in other places understand the biological differences between men, men and women. And, and you understand just thinking like, hey, if you've got a little girl who's really excited about competing in track and field, for example, or, or wrestling or, or something like soccer. that. And then all of a sudden soccer and then all of a sudden is, is faced with having to compete against 
someone who is a biological male and really having no shot because there are very real dif- physical differences in capabilities between the two, how heartbroken that little girl will be or how heartbroken that, that college athlete uh, will be. And so why, why aren't more people speaking up uh, to this reality? I've got to believe it's fear-based and it's unfortunate because now is a time for leadership. It, you, you know, I'll be standing with these courageous female athletes later today uh, and I hope that they inspire a flicker of courage in, in some of these politicians in Washington to stand up and speak out for them and for the girls and women who will, who will come after. And you're running to an event where people, if people want to join you, where if they're in Washington, where are they? Where can they find you? We will be at the Freedom Plaza at 11 o'clock this morning uh, here in Washington, D.C., just a stone's throw away from the White House, delivering a powerful message to the president. I really hope that he and his team are listening. Don't think they are, but you could always hope. Uh, Speaking at Minds, the alternative social network on a mission to elevate global discourse. Uh, You're hosting a live event on uh, June 25th at the Beacon Theater. Can you tell us about it? Absolutely, Brian. You know, you you and I have talked a number of times in the past over the years just about how unfortunate it is that the the whole idea of civil discourse and dialogue in this country has largely been lost, where people who have different perspectives can come together, treat each other with respect, and have this exchange of ideas. Uh, that's what this Minds event is about. It's uh, Saturday in New York City at the Beacon Theater at 7 p.m. People who are interested in attending can go to festival.minds.com, or if you're not able to be there, you can go there and catch the live stream as well. I think it's going to be really interesting because it's a very diverse group of people who are coming together with that objective is is sharing different views and uh, having that exchange of ideas. And the hope is that this inspires more of these kinds of conversations, whether they're around the dinner table in the classroom or or at the workplace. Uh, We've got to get back to a place where we can talk, share ideas, know, hey, we're not going to agree on everything. But I think we'll find that there's more we agree on than than we disagree on. And I think that's so important right now. Where did you what about? you and your political career you ran for president you are you go to we won another two years in the house are you looking to go back are you looking to be uh get into broadcasting what's next um you know i i'm not running for anything right now i I don't have any plans to run for anything i i just i i see the great challenges that are before us right now in this country that are posing a threat fundamentally to the foundation of this country, to the Constitution, where freedom of speech is something that is called into question. It is called. It, it is under fire. It is under attack. Obviously, the Second Amendment. You can go down the list of our Bill of Rights. Uh, you know, civil liberties, privacy. These are things that I am deeply, deeply concerned about. Given the Constitution seems to be meaning less and less, especially to those who took an oath to support and defend it. And so, I'm just using all my time and whatever platform I can find to be able to stand up and speak out and fight to protect those freedoms protect our constitution uh, i'm not saying you're labeled this way but you'd say is there a place for a moderate democrat it seems like people like bill maher uh speaking out and others are saying i don't recognize this party that's a question for the democratic party that i hope they ask themselves because i think there are a lot of americans who see uh how how crazy of a direction the democratic party has taken especially as of late and how unfortunate it is that uh, we have leaders who continue to put party first rather than to put country and the American people first. With the challenges the American people are facing across the country, you know, I, I think the 
greatest frustration is exactly that. Politicians putting party and self first rather than putting the people first, mm. which is literally the job description, Brian. Know, the job description is you serve all of the American people, and, and unfortunately we just uh, – we're not seeing that, and it's and it's a dangerous thing. Well, uh, Tulsi, I look forward to seeing you again soon. Uh, first time we met was at the Washington Correspondents' Dinner. Uh, That's right, years we, ago. Yeah, uh, Barack Obama was president. That's right. Yeah, uh, so have a have a great event today, and uh, also Good on the twenty fifth. Speaking at Minds. I All right. I appreciate it. Thanks Go, so much, uh, Tulsi Gabbard. Thanks so much. You can follow her at Tulsi Gabbard. G A B B A R D. Brian Kilmeade Show, just getting started this hour. We're going to come back and take your calls, 1-866-408-7669. Brian Kilmeade Show. Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Would you say that the war in Ukraine is the primary driver of inflation in America? No, inflation was high before, certainly before the uh, war in Ukraine broke out. Yeah, no kidding. Oops. Uh, Mr. Powell, you just blew the lid off uh, the whole Joe Biden scam. His secretary of energy, his secretary of transportation, his vice president, Joe Biden himself, all coming out saying, yeah, we're at war. Uh, Those gas station owners are jacking up the price. I know who the bad guys are. It is the oil and gas companies. They're refusing to drill. Oh, it's Vladimir Putin. It's got to be that. And then you turn out inflation and gas prices, very little to do with that. And for you to make Vladimir Putin look tougher, stronger, and him winning this war, which makes it harder on the Ukrainians, I think is just borderline criminal. Because you think it helps your cause to say we're on a war footing. We are not on a war footing. Joe Biden gave a speech yesterday he should be embarrassed by. Here's an example of how he's trying to blame everybody and everything for inflation that should destroy his party. Cut six. We could have turned a blind eye to Putin's murderous ways. The price of gas wouldn't have spiked the way it has. I believe that would have been wrong. I believe that then, I believe then and I believe now, the free world had no choice. America could not stand by. And the West could not have stood by, although some suggested at the time, and just watch Putin's tanks roll in Ukraine and seize a sovereign country. OK, a couple of things. You waited forever to arm them. So don't act like you were ahead of the curve. And remember, it was your administration that refused to give them anything but blankets and MREs. It was the previous administration that had arms going there and you turned down that shipment. When it came to February, you did get arms going, and we are doing a lot. Our neighbors are not. Our allies are not as much. But there was a big story today how the casualty rate on Russia, as big as that country is, is unsustainable. But I will talk about the war later, not now. I want to talk about what Joe Biden was doing, flat out lying. And he knows his economists know better. You just heard Jerome Powell say inflation, gas prices, nothing really to do with what's going on in Ukraine. They're not helping, but here it is. Barrels per day, 9.3 million in 2017. It was up to 12.2 million in 2019. Dipped slightly to 11.2 million. Now it's 11.1 million. And you blame oil and gas? Oil and gas, who were losing so much money during the pandemic, and we're told fossil fuels are going to be in our rearview mirror, are not the bad guys. They wrote out a plan, 10-point plan on things you could do right now to help. 
And instead, you said, I didn't know they were going to complain. Now they're coming to the White House. You won't even meet with them. You'll have your transportation secretary and your staffers meet with them. But you did have an idea, and that is a holiday, a gas holiday. Cut one. Today, I'm calling on Congress to suspend the federal gas tax for the next 90 days through the busy summer season, busy travel season. Wow. A gas tax. So save 18 cents. So if you fill up your Camry, $2.34. Is that going to turn things around in a short period up until September? Of course not. Where that money goes, the 18 cents, as everybody fills up? It goes to infrastructure. What were you trying to do? Build up infrastructure. Now you're going to starve the infrastructure funding? Did you tell the Speaker of the House that you had this plan? Because the Speaker of the House has no interest in having a tax holiday. She called it showbiz. Joe Manchin signals he will not support this. What are you thinking? Here's Senator John Thune. Do not expect... Republican support, cut 14. What the administration, of course, is coming up with is yet another gimmick, uh, another Band-Aid, and something they know is dead on arrival up here in Congress. The president knows it. Democrats know it up here. And I think uh, from what we're told, they've conveyed that uh, to him. So the question is, why do people at the White House continue to talk about ideas like these that are going nowhere? Don't know. And don't know why he called the press conference yesterday. To just have to just go attack Republicans for daring to not support the Ukraine war as if it relates directly to the one we're fighting now. Phil, we're not we're not in a war footing. We know what it's like to be in a war footing as a country. No one has to explain it to us. Certainly not this president. This is not a war footing. We're writing checks to another country to fight. Cut 19. Phil Flynn. Even President Biden finally gets, after he's drained our strategic petroleum reserve, that it isn't an oil problem, it's a refining problem, right? And this is a guy that's made his career on trying to shut down refineries. And what really bothered me about the gas tax speech today was he credited OPEC and OPEC plus Russia for raising production while he's been bashing the U.S. energy industry for the last couple of months. Yeah, it doesn't work. These people have pride. They have to understand how their business works, and they understand who the enemy is. We don't have to pretend as if uh, clean energy is not the goal, but it's got to be a goal that we all understand. And believe me, if they line up an electric car and they line it up to a gas car and you could tell me I could save some money and be responsible to the environment, that's what we'll sell. I know a lot of people tell me I'll get an electric car, but they're not available They're not affordable. The charging stations aren't there. But yet Granholm and Biden are coming out telling us to get there. When we come back, we'll get deeper into this with Carly Shimkus. Also, unmask what's going on with this gun deal. Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. Radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. It will send money, not just to states that decide to implement so called red flag laws, but to every state to fund crisis intervention programs of their own choosing. And states that do not use the money for red flag laws will have to build in new due process protections that have never, never been required before. 
All right, that is Mitch McConnell seemingly to endorse the outline and now the bill, 80 pages long, that's going to be voted on this week. With me right now in studio, you're watching her on Fox Nation. You just watched her on Fox and Friends first and Fox and Friends. Carly Shimkus. Uh, Carly, welcome back. Thank you for having you me, You are Brian. pumped up right now. Why? Do you smell the weekend? Uh, I'm working on Saturday, so I what are you can't doing? quite smell the weekend yet. Uh, filling in for Rachel. Oh, so you're doing Fox and Friends? Yes. So I always I think, think you you're... put the emphasis on the wrong syllable there. In what way? You said Fox and Friends. Sh- oh, it should you be know Fox what? Because I, I thought you were going to say Big Show. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I haven't done the big show in a while. I think that they are in the studio now, so it's no longer remote. That's what I heard. Word makes it a little bit more challenging. I think, well, I know it makes it way better. Right. Yeah. Being, For us. Being in studio is um, so much better than the remote thing. All right. Opinion. So you're doing Fox and Friends weekend. Yes. So I understand. I'll probably be on, I think, talking about um, One Nation. That'll be Saturday at 8. That will be my most, um, the segment that I'm most excited for. Right. Uh, compared to the other segments, which are? Well, I'm clear. <laughs> you have no idea. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to be great. Uh, so the guns could be voted on as early as Friday. Yes. They, so, want, they want to pass this, at least in the Senate, before the 4th of July recess. So, I mean, I was just, I was jotting down on my other paperwork that I left downstairs because I didn't know I was going to end the show outside. I wasn't, oh, I thought no. it was going to be inside. I can go get that for you and I'm serious. I'm done. For no, the day no, it's this. okay. Uh, Senator Tom Tillis, Senator Lindsey Graham, uh, Senator Mitch McConnell, Senator Mitt Romney, Toomey, uh, Burr. Seem to uh, Senator, uh, we have the Senator Joni Ernst. Mm-hmm. Seem all to it as Mikowski, Collins, seem ready to vote for this. Right. Up to 14. Lindsey Graham, I think I mentioned, a lot of people are really upset. From what we know of this gun law, we know they're going to put money into health uh, and mental wellness in for kids in school. Number two, they're going to bulk up security at schools, big and small. But what got people has got people a little worried is this red flag law mm-hmm. because they're worried about it being abused. Uh, excuse me, it's the cops. I need your gun. Neighbor complained. Oh, your ex, your spouse says you're a danger to yourself. They're worried about that. Yeah, yeah. So it looks like this is gonna. First of all, it looks like it will pass in the Senate, right? Because it has all fifty, uh, all fifty Democrats support it, and there's fourteen Republicans who support it. Um, then it'll go to the House. The House could change it, though. They could. They they it wouldn't be uh, strong enough for them because they have previously passed something that has Republicans stricter, will sit it out. They, they will not vote for this. Lot. Right. Um, but there are some um, indisputably great things in the bill when it comes to mental health funding and uh, school safety, security. Uh, but, yeah, the red flag law is the thing that is the most controversial. But I believe that this just provides pu- um, funding and incentives for yes. states to then do what they want. So then it becomes a state issue, which is federalism, the way that the country should work. Uh, the, a couple other things. I don't mind an eight-year-old, 18-year-old having to wait 10 days. I don't mind an 18-year-old getting a call back to the state police to find out. This would be the background checks. The background checks for a gun purchases for 18-year-olds. They're not denying it. They also were leaving in AR-15s. Remember, they wanted to get rid of that. Republicans says, no, we're, we're not yeah. budging on that. The assault weapon ban's not going to happen. So the president's getting very little. Here's Laura Bo- Lauren Boebert. Predictably, the congresswoman from Colorado thinks this is a, an abomination. Cut 26. You mentioned Uvalde. We, we see now what actually happened there and uh, the, the time that it took um, to actually get that situation under control, if that's even what you call that. Should have right in. Yes, exactly. Um, we need to harden our schools. We need to secure our schools. And this bill doesn't exactly do that. This isn't where we need to start. We don't need to start with infringing on the rights of American citizens. 
Yeah. You know, when I think, well, when it comes to red flag laws, first of all, um, Florida has one in place. And when you talk about sort of the guiding light of what conservatives want to model their own states after, a lot of people look towards Florida right now. Because it seems to have worked. Yeah. Um, but then there is, I know that a lot of veterans get a little iffy on red flag laws because a, a lot of them do have PTSD and understandably so. So then they get a little bit nervous. Um, if I see counseling um, and I have some sort of some sort of mental issue, does that mean that I'm going to have to give up my gun? So I think that's the concern with red flag laws. Um, but there are other examples of red flag, flag red flag laws being a benefit in something that could have possibly stopped you know school shootings in the past, which is ultimately the goal here. Right. At least Stefanik is against it. The House decided to be against it. Senator Mike Lee says, I'd like to read it. Uh, I I agree with him on that. Well, that's the one thing that happens with every single – it seems like every single piece of major legislation that uh, passes or gets debated, it gets handed down and then lawmakers have – what, an hour to read? He said they had a couple minutes to read it. Just that, on the vote to go forward, not even the vote. Unbelievable. Right. I mean, you're talking about the direction, really important, critical things, especially when it comes to funding our country, the the um, the bills that provide funding for um, the next year. And you ask questions to lawmakers the next day, and they're, they're like, wow, we don't even really know because <laughs> because they had only a couple minutes to read it. That's That should be, that should be against the law. Cut 24, Mike Lee. This is a bill that we saw for the first time just a few minutes before we were asked to vote on it. Was it a few night. minutes? A okay. few minutes. Oh. A few minutes. Okay. And uh, it was strange, though. Uh, magically, the Washington Post had it by midday yesterday. We weren't allowed to see it until moments before we were asked to vote on it. Now, this is 80 pages. 80 pages is something you can read quickly if you're reading a you know, fast-paced novel or a newspaper or something. Uh, as you know, legislative text takes a little longer to digest and fully understand. A lot of their characterization of it didn't quite add up, and it still doesn't. Right. Uh, We think that, number one, we have to be able to identify these teenagers who are mentally imbalanced. Both Buffalo and Uvalde, I really challenge uh, Lauren Boebert on this. This would have worked. Because if you, that 18, that gun shop called Oasis Guns that sold this to the killer, Uvalde killed her. And we know everything that went wrong with security. I want to discuss that. But... They looked into this guy's background. They could see that a few classmates and other people, the principal superintendent of your high school, would say, yeah, do not sell this guy a gun. Uh, or family members. Maybe, you know, you make a call. You got 10 days to look into this. And if I'm a gun shop owner, I probably don't need the extra work. Maybe you hire an outside person to call the superintendent. I need to know that Bill Jones is is not, uh, was not a, uh, should not be red flagged. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that there are the a lot of things. Buffalo shooter, too. Totally. Danger to himself. Yeah. There are a lot of things that make there are a lot of things that make sense in this in this legislation, um, but again, we're just seeing the top line points, and that's what Senator Lee's uh, whole point was. Where there are a lot of things in in these eighty page legislations, which is actually short for a bill, um, and you have to really consider the long term ramifications of it before you uh, go ahead and sign it into law. But y- yeah, I I completely agree with you when it comes to gun control. Though I think a lot of Second Amendment advocates are so concerned about anything that could possibly infringe even the slightest bit on their rights because of, just look at what happened during the pandemic. It was 15 days to slow the spread and now people were losing their jobs because of it. So you, you know, you, they say if you give an inch, they're going to take a mile. And that's the concern on the other That's side. why nothing ever gets done. Yeah, it's true. I know. I know. So I was watching Tucker last night. He's incensed by this whole thing. Laura Ingram's incensed by this whole thing. I didn't see 
uh, what Sean had to say about that. But that a lot of times shapes the dialogue. And you saw that John Cornyn got booed at a Texas Republican Texas event for bringing it up. Yeah, and didn't uh, Mitch McConnell assign him to this duty? And he's oh, yeah. trying to work across the aisle. And I'm sure that he's the one that's moderating it. It, so that it, it, you know, so that conservatives may find it appealing. So I, I don't know if that the booing is necessary for him. Carly uh, Shimkus is here. Carly, the other thing is John Cornyn would probably replace Mitch McConnell. So Mitch McConnell's got to be in his last six years. So he starts his uh, fifth year. So you got to think, even though John Cornyn is not exactly uh, Gen X, he or, or Gen, Gen Z, yeah. I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to think that John Cornyn's like, I have to provide some leadership here. Yeah. This might be a test, yeah, so it might uh, make them or break them. Yeah, that's right. That's good inside baseball. That's good inside congressional baseball, Brian. You a little surprised? No, no. I just giving like, you a compliment. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. It sounds like there was a little pause, and you were a little surprised. A couple <laughs> other things. Yesterday, David Axelrod brought up that maybe Gavin Newsom should get the next four years from Joe Biden. The Gavin Newsom, you look into identify, you know, in other words, if Biden doesn't run, if Biden doesn't run, that they go to Gavin Newsom. Do you think he's got a legitimate national name after he was almost recalled? No, (laughs) not at all. I I think he's one of the most liberal governors out there. Um, the whole the whole the lesson that we're learning right now is that the Democratic base needs to appeal to independence. Gavin Newsom's not the guy. I think that if Democrats have any chance of winning in 2024, we don't know the candidate yet. It can't be somebody um, in Washington already because the names get that get thrown around. I guess Gavin Newsom's kind of a new one. Um, he does have the Hollywood hair that could go for him, but it's all the same people. It's the people that ran in 2020. Um, but I was thinking, what about Mark Cuban? He's a moderate. Uh, he he endorsed Joe Biden, so I guess he's a Democrat. But he is moderate, and he brings that sort of um, X factor, right. like Trump did. I, I think also. I mean, he had that little problem with uh, Dad, the Dallas Mavericks and some office stuff, but I don't think that's a big deal. For him to run on the Democratic side, for him to have that type of momentum. In every election cycle, it's always like, is he going to run? Isn't he going to run? I mean, it's either him or Bernie Sanders or Kamala Harris. Right. And, you know, keep in mind, Mark Cuban's coming up with this prescription drug plan. I don't know if you've heard about it, but it would save billions of dollars. So he says, I I talked to him uh, through text, and he says, I'm not quite ready to roll it out, but hopefully in in June, excuse me, in July, and he'll be able to talk about it. David Axelrod says this. Uh, there's no heir apparent. Uh, the party members skeptical of whether the president could or should run for a second term. Quote, if the president were not to run, it's hard to imagine that Newsom would not be sorely tempted to enter the race. Newsom is young, politically muscular, which may be just what the market will be seeing post Biden, he yeah. added. I mean, he yeah, he could be tempted. I'm sure he will be tempted. I just don't know if he would be <laughs> appealing nationally. I mean, I. Um, the way the pan, the way he handled the pandemic was awful, but also, um, there are other things in his, in his record too. Like I know that Trump came down on him pretty hard for the forest fire stuff. That may be, that may be like, you know, a local issue, but I think there are things in his background that you could criticize. Of course, the law, French laundry, uh, the way he put his kids in private school and let his other school go nuts. The way he's let crime run rampant through the entire state. My goodness, he'd be vulnerable. But I'm just wondering if the 45 percent of the country that says the Democrats are going to vote for him anyway. Uh, Mehmet Oz has now gotten gotten some uh, attacks because he's changed the 
artwork on his website to look less Trumpian. And because now that he's running for the general, he wants to pull a Yunkin and say, I'm so glad to have the former president's endorsement, but I'm my own man. Wait, because of the, how do you know that? How do you know that that's what he's trying to do? There's no question, I don't think. John Fetterman's accused him that, too. Wait, just because of the artwork on his website? What's Trump artwork look like? Well, you know, it's a Trump, MAGA, me and the Donald, me and Don oh, so, Jr., oh, me Oh, so and he doesn't Eric. have – got it. So he wiped away A lot of the Trump- Trumpian. Oh, oh okay. I thought you meant Donald- like his logo or something. Because to, does it concern you? If you're to Oz, are you concerned that you're trailing by six to a guy that just had a heart procedure and is liberal – is way to the left like John Fetterman is. Yeah, I know. I know. I um I think that the I thought I well first of all, I thought that the with his uh he had a stroke or a heart attack. He had a stroke, I believe. Um I actually thought it was really classy how everybody handled that, how all of the Republican candidates went out and said, you know, health first. Hope he doesn't die. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. And I don't know if they, they said it in a little bit more of a savvy way than that, but that was their sentiment. But, yeah, I think that a lot of voters do take health into consideration. I mean, when you look at um, – you know, Biden's cognitive abilities. Now liberals are talking about it, too. So I guess it's no longer totally not PC to talk about. But, yeah, I think that does affect the vote. President Trump is coming out saying he's mad at Kevin McCarthy for not putting some Republicans on the January 6th committee. President Trump said? Yeah, because he feels as though no one's going to bat for him. Yeah. He feels so lonely. Um, But Kevin McCarthy, that that was Pelosi's decision. She kicked off uh, banks and she kicked off. Jim Jordan. Yeah, Kev, Kev he McCarthy. said you should have named somebody else. He said we have plenty of Republicans. So just so you know, to me, that shows that this is doing some damage to oh, Donald Trump saying. in his mind. Uh, yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I, of course it is. Um, I'm sure that he's following it more closely than um, most. than most are. Um, and, yeah, he's going to be – he isn't going to like the way it makes him look. Uh, but Kevin McCarthy couldn't have um, appointed anybody because Nancy Pelosi has the power to bat those people down. Uh, well, would she have batted down 200 people? Oh, you, you think that he would have worked his way more? down the list. Hmm. Lastly, real quick, Ron DeSantis has a hundred million dollars already to run for a governor's race that he's clearly going to win with two dollars. What do you think that says? Uh Oh, I think it says 2024. Right. Who would his running may be? Well, wait a second. If he's got to, he's got to get past Trump. I know. I, just, I wonder what is going to happen. Did you see Piers Morgan come out on – Said go com, for DeSantis. Out. That sounds so weird to say. But yeah, he was really the first I – mean, sometimes you just need one person to say it and other people feel a little bit more comfortable. Right. Um, uh, but yeah, he – I mean he's in like a fight with Trump right now. But I do think that he makes some good points about um, the future of the Republican Party. I mean DeSantis is younger. Um, but everybody – I mean it's all Trump-like. I mean DeSantis is popular because he – parroted Trump's opinions in sort of st- in style. So it's all in the vein of right. Donald Trump still. Absolutely. There really is no one like uh, Governor Ron DeSantis. Youngkin has is, is got star power, but he's very different. Listen, when we come back a few more minutes with Carly, you listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move. Expanding your knowledge base. It's The Brian Kilmeade Show. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. President Biden called on Congress for a three-month suspension of the federal gas tax. This so-called gas tax holiday would potentially cut 18 cents per gallon during the busiest 
travel months. If this doesn't work, President Biden's next plan is just to let everything kind of suck until the end of his presidency. <laughs> just let it suck. A gas tax holiday. Joe Biden is basically, he really is like a grandfather. He literally wants to hand the American people less than a quarter and be like, don't spend it all at once, <laughs> Right, and that is uh, obviously James Corden who's going to be leaving. Carly Shimkus is here who's actually going to be leaving too. Yeah, right? you're picking me out in three minutes. Will you three minutes? Yes, that? absolutely. And he's going to be leaving at the end of the year. Oh, I didn't know that. Right. Right. He's leaving a show? Yeah, James Corden is leaving. Oh, he's he just the, wants he's to go so back to England. Really? Yeah. Huh. He was the only guy that I thought was unique at night. I know. He is really funny and talented. He's a good singer too. Do you want to talk about gas or do you want to talk about James Corden? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <No> <laughs> I have something to ask you. Oh, go ahead. All right. So, Stephen, I, I wanted to see about Stephen Colbert, what's going on with this story, the whole getting kicked out of the Capitol. Uh-huh. I watched his monologue. Do you realize the monologue, it seems like like the opening of the Rachel Maddow show? I know. With clapping. And he used to be so funny. On the Colbert Report. Yes. It was hysterical. I know. And basically there's no laughs. It is full screens of Donald Trump and Don Jr. and expletives. I know. It just seems so angry. It's so angry, right? right. Um, it's the anti-Shimkus show. Because you're always so happy. <laughs> Thank you. You're a happy person, too. Really? Have well, you ever been mad in your life? <laughs> I think I've been very mad in my life. Absolutely. Really? I've absolutely. never seen it. Wow, that is so nice of you to pretend to say and no, believe. I've never you seen really? you mad. Oh, I, I'm furious now. Well, I'm I guess we have to work together for another 10 years. Then you'll see my temper. Sounds good. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you from Midtown Manhattan, heard around the country, around the world, especially in the Ukraine. Kennedy's here in studio. Uh, wave uh, to the Fox Nation viewers, Kennedy. Uh, also, at the bottom of the hour, we're going to be joined by people that Kennedy did not grow up with. Uh, Jace Robertson and Jeb Robertson from the Duck Dynasty family uh, and the show. But now they have Duck, uh, Duck Family Treasure I watched the first episode on Fox News. Most of it's on Fox Nation, and it was great. It is great. I can't wait for people to see it. Right. The rest of it. The rest of it. Because the series, I think they have about five out. They're they're amazing. Yeah, because to go back in history and and pull things out, even if it's not worth a lot, you can relive those moments like a time capsule. But you just repackage it and make it seem like it's worth a lot, and that's how you get a lot of money. Right. Right. I understand that. But we are talking about real reality. Uh, Fox does real reality. That would not be good. Oh, so I just take my stuff ah, and I put and it, in, it in special bags. I'm like, oh, this is priceless. Not good. Mm, it's great because I get like two more dollars. Oh, uh, this is Kennedy dating back to 1877. Yes. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Hispanic voters are no longer automatically Democrats. In fact, they are openly hostile to the Democratic Party. Joe Biden's support among Hispanics has dropped to a stunning 24%. The only group that continues to enthusiastically support Joe Biden is college-educated white voters in urban areas. And they're the worst. Politics, a massive shift in America as black and now Hispanics are voting more and more, uh, are running more and more from Joe Biden. We'll discuss that. And is the GOP looking beyond President Trump? We'll discuss it. Number two. It will send money 
not just to states that decide to implement so-called red flag laws, but to every state to fund crisis intervention programs of their own choosing. And states that do not use the money for red flag laws will have to build in new due process protections that have never, never been required before. Wow, gun deal done. It should it pass. It looks like they have enough Republican votes to do it. Uvalde shooting. Why don't we ever know the facts? Horrific display by the cops. We'll get to the bottom of both. Number one. To the companies running gas stations and setting those prices at the pump. This is a time of war, global peril, Ukraine. These are not normal times. Bring down the price you are charging at the pump to reflect the cost you are paying for the product. Exactly. You've money grubbing billionaire gas station owners, gas station owners. President Biden hits new lows on inflation, oil and gas, and he named villains in an incoherent attack on Americans' domestic production. Gas station owners and Vladimir Putin, if he really wanted to pick a culprit, I say find a mirror. With me right now is Kennedy, a libertarian at the core uh, and a nice uh, and a nice person oh, at the Brian, center. Oh, Brian, what a kind thing to say. Right. It almost sounds like you have a, uh, a brogue when you said that. Oh, Brian Kilmeade. What a nice thing to say. That, that sounds better. Uh, 7 o'clock, five, FBN. Watch Kennedy tonight. Four in the West. All right. First off, uh, on on the, the exit of Hispanic voters, on the exit of some black voters, of the 24 White House, uh, African-American White House workers that have just left, is this a major story that most are looking to ignore? Well, it's interesting because sometimes people don't vote just based on their immutable Can you characteristics. Sometimes people vote because their neighborhoods are unsafe. Yeah. They can't afford things. They have to pay a dollar twenty-five at the Dollar Tree now. And all the things they were promised have not materialized. And their lives are arguably getting worse than the generation before them. That's the first time that's happened in American history. So it doesn't really matter where you were born or who your parents are, right. uh, it, you want to provide for your family, you want a good life, and if the government is making that harder, right. then you are not going to pledge allegiance to that government forever. I, I am mad at myself for for labeling it that way, so I'm falling prey. I do, How for the longest time, ride. thought that Americans were Americans, and maybe you separated on middle class, working class, and upper class, depending on the tax system or the health care system, but now I'm falling prey to it, too thinking that Hispanics can be de- declared as one. No way. Yeah, especially because just by definition, Puerto Ricans, Cubans, Venezuelans, Mexicans, they all coming from different perspectives uh, and mostly pouring through the border as of late. First off, when you look at what's happening in this country with the with this midterm elections and some of these nominations, do you think Republicans are dancing in the end zone too quickly about yes. what they're seeing? Yes, and, and they absolutely could screw it up. Uh, they need to keep their heads down. Uh, there's nothing they can do right now because they are the opposition party. And when they do take over one or both houses, they have to have a plan. And and that's what we saw last time with Obamacare. Like there there really wasn't a cohesive Skinny plan. strategy. That went well. It didn't go well. It was horrible. It was it was a bad idea. It was a bad look. And they weren't doing the work in the off season. Right. Which is that's how you win championships. Brian. Well, true. Is that's what the Jets forgot to do. They don't work in the off season. They, don't. they just show up. They put <laughs> their uniforms right on. Yep. And they're exhausted. You're in little bunks. All right. Um, and it's the NBA draft tonight. But we're not going to talk about that. No. Because the Nets don't have a pick, the Knicks do, and they're looking to move up. They're in the 11th selection. They do terrible in the lottery because you can't study for it. 
That's the problem with the lottery. No, that's I play it every week, and, and I always fail. <laughs> do you try? Do you study? <laughs> I do study. You do study. Um, where was I? Oh, do you think that there's a sense in the Republican Party, look at this January 6th, that there's a little bit of happiness that Donald Trump seems to um, take a beating at the January 6th to a degree, not helping him for a fact, and maybe hoping that he's wounded enough that you could have other people run for the nomination. It's a really narrow segment of the population whose uh, vote or perception will be altered at all by the January 6th hearings because people who like them, they're not watching because they think it's just another uh, politicized congressional witch hunt. People who hate him, they are watching with bated breath and they, they hate him as much but they as knew they knew that Almost everything we know, we knew already, yeah. right? And, uh, you know, it, it really is just a few people who are like, eh, kind of like Ron DeSantis, the thing I'm going to go with him. Like, I've never voted Republican, but uh, Florida seems like a fun place. But, Kennedy, here's the thing. Any way you break it down, if you want to win the nomination and win the general, you need Donald Trump, whether it's Donald Trump himself or Donald Trump's voters. So if Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump carve each other up, Trump, you, I don't know if you've noticed, but Trump doesn't tend to be a good loser. You get, you know, you could split hairs. If he leaves with that thirty-eight percent, if it's forty-two or thirty-six, you don't win in the general. Hmm. Do you agree with that? So Donald Trump is still pulling the strings, even if you like Yunkin, even if you say this is uh, Christie time, even if you say this it is, is not Christie time. Uh, <laughs> it never will be. I think it's not Hillary time either. But let's you know, right. Let's She's be not going to run again. So yeah. So if he, if you decide it's Rubio or you decide it's Little Nikki Marco. Haley. Pompeo, uh, Pompeo. Not Pompeo. Right. Well, I mean, he's talented and experienced. Yeah, but still, he's not. Uh, he's he's got the same thing Hillary's got. He he doesn't break through. He's not transformational, and he's not necessarily likable. He's not unlikable. He's fine. He's like a a piece of white toast that you get at Denny's. It's like with no. who ran the CIA. Yeah, and, and also, but, of State. by the way, Secretary of State, fine. You know how the world works, CIA. Terrifying because you know how the world works against everybody secretly. Gotcha. Well, let's talk oil and gas. You grew up in the oil fields. You know I did, Brian. I grew up in Lubbock, Texas. Right. And uh, I've never been to school. Right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> just, just knee deep in oil. My my dad put a pair of, of waders on me, and I just walked around the oil field. Right. Uh, how did you learn to spell and read shovel. and write? How do you read the prompter? I don't. I I just make stuff up. Right. So it's you know they're. <laughs> They're like, oh, is the prompter off again? Because she's not saying the words that we put in there. Anything. I, I did tell you, I don't know if I ever told you this. In kindergarten, could not recognize my name. <laughs> so I never would wear a coat because I have nowhere to put, I had to put my coat in my cubby and I have to recognize my name. I wanted to memorize the people next to me, but he kept rotating it. It's a good thing you grew up in Belize where you don't need a coat <laughs> as often as you do in a That's place true. like Long Island, New York. And by the way, isn't there, is, is that the one with the ad you can invest in Belize? Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah, they want the expats. They want everyone. Like Belize sounds like a great place. So what kind of uh, soccer team do they have? Who cares? Because I'd like to coach there. Oh, yeah. Oh, you can coach whatever you want. In you Belize. can do any, anything goes in Belize. You want to coach? You want to coach goats? You just, you know, bring your own potato vodka and you're uh, you're in. Right. You'll be no help because you can't spell and you only know oil. And there's Absolutely no, not. No, I'm no riding your coattails all the way to Belize. All right. So here's President uh, Biden. Can you name some things that President Biden uh, blamed the oil problem we're having, oil and gas prices I feel like on? the list is similar to Hillary's list of who made her lose the election. Cut five. To the companies running gas stations and setting those prices at the pump. This is a time of war, global peril, Ukraine, 
These are not normal times. Bring down the price you are charging at the pump to reflect the cost you are paying for the product. Do it now. Do it today. <laughs> the whisper makes it so much more effective. To those- go, okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. I'll, I'll, and if it were that easy, the guy on corner A would be charging four ninety five a gallon while the guy on corner B is charging five oh one and then corner B goes, Ah, oh, curses, he undercut me again. Uh, uh, I'm losing all my customers. Right. Uh by the way, vilifying gas station owners, that's pretty that's a new one. Yeah, they're uh, by and large, they're they're not big fat bathing in doubloon oil executives. Right. They're grilling rotisserie chickens in order to make ends meet. They're selling five-hour energy. They're pigeons. Right. And what we're trying to say is, if to vilify them, how about Vladimir Putin? We're war footing. We're, we're, we're writing checks to people who are fighting wars. We, as Americans, we know war footing. This ain't war footing we're on right now. No. Global peril. No, no. He is making Vladimir Putin five times as powerful and effective as he possibly could be in order to better his... Political fortunes, and I resent that. I resent the whole thing, but also, and Jerome Powell said before Congress yesterday, inflation is not caused by Ukraine. The chair of the Federal Reserve, whom I don't like, I'm not giving him any credit here, but they're not even on the same page because he has to testify before, before Congress, and Powell said it was high before Russia invaded Ukraine. We already had problems. Now, let me ask you this. Is this Jerome Powell saying exactly that? Cut 16. Would you say that the war in Ukraine is the primary driver of inflation in America? No, inflation was high before, certainly before the uh, war in Ukraine broke out. You Thank you, who- Jerome. <laughs> right. I'm who glad like. he said what I told him to say. Right. I don't like him. You don't? No. Right. No, he was wrong about transitory inflation. They misread everything. They ignored the data for political reasons to insulate the president and justify his irresponsible spending, which increased the money supply when there were very right. few goods, which caused inflation. And now they're doing the same thing with recession. Is recession by any other name still a recession? Yes. Exactly. Thank you. A um, couple of things. How many times you walk into a gas station and you say, there's another billionaire in a tux with gold earrings waiting for me to give him my money so they can become richer? I go, good man, can you come down <laughs> off that yacht <laughs> and ready pump seven? So then he finds out that he is the enemy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> here's Chuck Graff. He is, uh, he is with Murphy Service Center in St. Anthony, Minnesota, cut 15. There were times when it would climb 20 cents overnight. So if that happens, it wipes out you know, that 18 cents real quick. I wanted empathy to our customers to let them know that we, you know, don't like putting up those those high numbers either. It doesn't help us. We don't make any more money. 18 cents a gallon adds up on some of these high volume stations. There's nothing worse than bad highways and bad roads. And if you're if you're not going to have any funds to to keep those up, that's, you know, I don't know how much good you're you're doing. Chuck Kraft is the worst. I think you agree. Oh, he is just, look at him, just pillaging the little man. <laughs> right, just by, you put it up and he changed his price because he paid more for it. Uh, and, of course, when you uh, look at what he's doing, he is the enemy, so he's got to lower his prices in order to do that. So the, with the, what he was referring to is the 18 cents tax holiday the president was proposing. So do you have a Camry or a Vega? Oh, I have a, a, a 1999 Prius. <laughs> okay, 1999. Yeah, it doesn't really, doesn't really work anymore, but. Right, you know. and that's when they I were running on gas. I Fred Flintstone it. 
Yeah, that, that's when it was running on gas, the Prius. <laughs> right. So you're not really helping the environment. I'm not. Not, yeah, not at so all. Why is it? You guys in FBN are all talk. I, I choke my neighbors with the black smoke. It's, <laughs> it's horrible. Uh, and you tell I'm them, the problem. You tell them, no, no, it can't be me. This is electric. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Listen, when we come back, more with Kennedy, who's choking her neighbors. That's right. Do it now. Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. So, but both Berlin and Austin are gigantic money furnaces right now. It should be like a giant roaring sound, which is the sound of money on fire. Berlin and Austin are losing billions of dollars right now. Because there's a ton of expense and, and, and hardly any output. So having, get, getting Berlin and Austin functional and getting Shanghai back, back in the saddle fully are overwhelmingly our concerns. Uh, that is Elon Musk. He's rich, and he says he can't get any parts for Tesla. So he just pays people, and they can't even fit to finish a car. And this is a guy that epitomizes American business and innovation. We just never thought we'd have these problems before, and it's lingering. Kennedy's here. Her show's at 7 o'clock tonight on FBN. I just wanted you to hear that. From the billionaire who is going to zero in on Twitter. I used to be able to get free bikes from Specialized. So I called him like, hey, can I have a free bike? Then said, we can't get any parts. We cannot get parts for bikes for pros and people who are buying them, let alone uh, lowly leeches like yourself who just want, you know, a free bike. So you can put it on Instagram every four months. Well, that's kind of one differently than I thought. Yeah. I thought we were going to talk more about Elon Musk and less about your transportation (laughs) struggles. I just wish that Specialized would give me another bike. It's the supply chain, man. So would, why would they specialize this? Because you do triathlons. That's absolutely right, Brian. Right. I did a triathlon oh, a week and a half ago. I took 43 minutes off my last time. Wow. I took uh, 34 minutes off my run. Now, is it because you're using an electric bike? <laughs> I Because wish. you can't get another one? I'm sorry. My <laughs> Schwinn is in the shop. I'm going to have to use a motor. <laughs> yeah, it's a Vespa. <laughs> I just went by these people, yeah. and I'm not even exhausted. And when, and when the, the, the judges come by on the, their little motorcycles, I pretend I'm pedaling. Like, right. whoa, I'm exhausted. That's my heart rate. Well, and they buy. This is the first time you're admitting this. Oh, we're not on air, are we? No. Yes, we are. Oh, right. Um, I forgot where we were. We're talking about Elon Musk and Berlin and Austin and flames. They're just burning things. So let me ask some. Do, do you think it's significant that he says, I voted for my first Republican and it was that special election in California and excuse me, in Texas? Mm-hmm. You have a sense of the people. You know what it's like to yeah. grow up on the border. Absolutely right. And yes, in Lubbock. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Who, who you didn't know anything. You had to read and write. I've never voted because I can't read the names. <laughs> you show up every time. I wish time. they would use emojis right. on the ballots. Pictures. But... <laughs> exactly right. They should do that. I'm yeah. surprised they don't. Um, who's on your show tonight? That's a great question. We haven't had our uh, our first meeting yet. Who's not But on I know you? Spike Cohen is on. He was the 2020 Libertarian vice presidential candidate. Jimmy Fale is on. Kat Timph is on. It's game night and hate mail night. So people tend to like both those things because they can gamble and get really mad at me all at the same time. You, it's hate mail. Yes, every every Thursday. Is it personal? A lot of the attacks personal? Extremely personal, personal yes. Right. 
Do you think people mean it? I think my mom writes half of them. Right. <laughs> yes, I think she means it. Well, okay, I was trying to make you feel bad. Those people <laughs> just want to hear their names on camera. Uh, Jace Robertson and Jeb Robertson coming up next. Duck Family Treasure. They are going to dig up historic things, and they're going to cash in. Are you jealous of that? So jealous. All right, Kennedy, thank you. Thank you, Brian. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. You know, treasure hunting, just like fishing, like you may find something, you may not. But in the end, it's fun just hanging out with your boys. Honestly, it's just about having fun. I know it's hot out there, okay? So look, hey, make sure you stay hydrated. Drink plenty of water, and then if you get too hot, hey, jump in the creek and cool off for crying out loud. Use your head, you big dummies. Well, that is uh, some of the advice that Jace Robertson and uh, Jeb Robertson get. You know, it's Duck Family Treasure, brand new series on Fox Nation. You're watching us on Fox Nation right now, guys. That's why we put you through such extensive hair and makeup uh, <laughs> yeah. to get you ready for it. You know, from the Duck Dynasty days, they are back. Uh, they're going to get trying to get richer by finding buried treasure, but <laughs> historic buried treasure. Hey, first off, uh, as the older brother, Jace, tell me about the concept of this. It's great to see you guys again. Yeah, it's great to see you, Brian. Uh, the con- the concept really was a hobby that I got into that we have a historical expert on the show, but he was my friend. My dad brought him to the Lord. I have an old place in, in Monroe that he wanted to metal detect, and I didn't even know what that was. But uh, he got diagnosed with cancer. He's a close family friend, and I thought, I mean, this is the guy's dying wish to go metal detect on my property. So what am I going to say? No. So I was like, sure, come, you know, come do it. And so when he did, he brought me a detector, and he's like, I want to show you how to do this. So I didn't really want to, but I once I started to understand it, I would say 30 minutes into the hunt, he came up and had an 1875 silver dime that he found in my yard. And, and did I, he target your yard for a reason? Yeah, because it was all the my place is right on the Washtenaw River, and uh, the governor – at that time, Grant gave a land grant to this guy from France in 1790, and they started building that house there. And we bought it and turned it into a bed and breakfast. It's really nice. My wife loves it. And But the history on that property, it's 11 acres. That's how I got into this because I, once I got into it, we were, we were uncovering. Did you all- love history anyway? I know I didn't do well in school in history, but I have developed a love for it as this process has gone on. So you do yeah. the podcast and you kind of got this idea from that, right? We did. Our fans from the podcast, we do a podcast called Unashamed and it's really a Bible study and but not in a non-religious way, just real life and uh my dad and my other brother, we do that and I just I put it out there because my cousin, who's the producer of the podcast, he said, you ought to do a TV show about y'all's metal detecting because Jeff had got involved because I think you were just trying to make well, a buck I or two. I thought it was dumb. I was like, yeah. what are you doing out there digging in the ground? Like, what? you got better things to do with your time, I think. But I found at his property an old penny from 1888, and I'm a collector. I collect stamps, baseball cards, comic books. Once I found that, I was like, and I collect coins. I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Like, yeah. It's a time capsule, right? You don't oh, know what it, happened, it, so it, you're able to go back and do it. It's fascinating. It's, I'm an outdoors person. It's outside. I, 
to finish that story on the podcast, I told my cousin, if we can get 20,000 people that says this is a good idea, you can look into it. So I gave all his social media out. I had no idea. When they released that podcast, in the first hour, over 70,000 listeners said, please do this show. We we will watch it. And uh, so as we went along, look, we're – I'm at a stage of my life where I didn't really want to be on TV again just with all the hoopla, but I I found out there's a lot in the Bible about treasure hunting as it relates to God and his view of humanity, and uh, he would compare it to you know finding a lost coin or finding hidden treasure. And the more I got into it, I said, why don't we do a show about the journey, family, relationships, but the backdrop is while we're treasure hunting. So I think that's the irony of the show. People think like in your in your intro we're not really trying to you know make it rich or cuz we know that's not where true happiness lies but it's fun to find things that are lost of value i, I wouldn't right. mind making a few bucks so just do you can be happy rich <laughs> well i'm saying like you know we went after a lot of treasure like treasure stories yeah. and i'm like you know you find a big bunch of gold what are you going to put it in your closet and go right. look at it yeah. are you going to sell it and make a little so, Jeb, this is you, uh, a cut from your series. Let's listen. Uh, uh, do you cut 41 and 42? Oh, we played them both. Okay, good. So, Jeb, we played it already, uh, of you uh, treasure hunting. How many episodes have you done? Ten. And how many are actually dropped on Fox Nation right now? I think five so far. Five, but next uh, Sunday, I'm not sure the date, they'll drop the other five. So. Oh yeah, so on Fox Nation. On Fox Nation, and you're able to t- talk about it on your podcast. Do you want to? Are you worried about getting ahead of it? Can you tell me a little bit about what? No, I can tell you. I right. I, 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 know I have the breakdown in my head. Uh, the producer, uh, <laughs> she put that that in my head. She didn't want spoiler alerts, but we found uh, in in the first five episodes. I mean, I think the most fascinating thing we found was a steamboat that was 150 years old. That I was not a believer. Uh, Murray, he thought he knew where it was. He had, he's the brains. He's the, the he look. He he's the, is the brains, but he legitimizes what we're doing because it's amazing. We'll go out there because what's under the earth is really telling the story, and we go out maybe in search of some fantastical story. I think the when we found the boat, we actually weren't. That wasn't even the goal. And since it's an unscripted show, you you just kind of go where the story leads. So we're at this old house over in Mississippi, and she's like, hey, there's a rumor that there's a boat out there, you know, from the 1850s. It was like 1860s, I think. Yeah. It was like a wreck. Of course, he knew about it, and he's like, yeah, I believe it's out there. So he took his sophisticated equipment because our metal detectors only go down about a foot. But he has equipment that he actually invented that goes down a hundred. I've seen them in the tractors, right? It looks like a tractor, doesn't it? But he can make them amphibious also. And so he's like, I'm going to go out here while y'all look in this yard. I'm going to go out and see what we, you know, what I can find. And we eventually got with him. And to my surprise, I was shocked that we found this boat. Wow, Uh, Jeb, Jeb Robertson's here, and Jace is here. They're talking about their brand new show. Uh, Duck Dynasty fame, but this is Duck. This is Duck Family Treasure, and what I thought, what I find is is so interesting because at the same time we're doing this, you know, John Scott's auctioning off great history items in our past. I mean, there's a, George Washington's not signing any new stuff, right? Yeah. You know, as far as I could tell. <laughs> yes. So when this stuff goes up for sale, we used to get enthralled with baseball stuff, and I know you collect, but I'm fascinated with uh, with 
things that happened in our past, especially you're talking about 1860s. We're we're in the middle of a war. We're begin, at the beginning of a war. Oh yeah. I, look, the stuff we found even back to 1800. I mean, one of the things I found not on the show, but in the scouting of the show, I found a Spanish real coin from 1786. I mean, you you. you there, there's a moment here when you're holding in your hand something that we used to use as currency in our country, which I didn't know when I found it because I thought, well, this is not even in English. What is this? And right. I was trying to figure it out. So I'm like, Murray. And, of course, he's coming up there and educating educating us on that. But I, then it's just fascinating. I mean, there's so much to learn. So you, you know, said one of the big challenges you have is trying to convince these people to let you go hunt on their land. That is the challenge. I mean, look, uh, the – the flyover states, they're not real trusting of Hollywood in general just because they don't like there's not enough family-oriented shows out there. So when we pull up and they see all these cameras, you know, the first episode we were talking about off-air, the dad's first question, I mean, his first statement when I said, here's what we're doing, we believe there's a hotel on your property because they had a well that people back in the 1800s used to think was the fountain of youth. They're like, you drink this water. Of course, later on, they found out that it had bacteria in it. it oh, and closed, it stunk. Yeah, it closed water. the hotel. Like, I looked terrible. I've saw, I've saw that episode. Yeah, so, uh, so, so the dad said, Jace, you're welcome here anytime, because they knew us. And it, this was about, what, an hour away from our house. But he said, "You can, you can these camera people, they got to go. Because they were <laughs> fearful that they didn't want to be made fun of. Yeah. They, this is not going to be family friendly. And so eventually they came around because I just gave them my word. I was like, look, we're, this is not about what's in your yard, about treasure. I, we want to make a family-oriented show at, where people of faith and people that love each other right. are, is not the butt of a joke. And right. eventually they said in. And, look, they were the first people when that came out to send me a text because we developed friendships with yeah. all these landowners. And we and gave them all the stuff we found. We gave it. We did. Oh, didn't you have a breakdown ahead of time? Didn't you say, okay, 50 50 or we 60 did. 40 or something? We did, and that was the agreement. But since they put up, I mean, we hunted their property for three straight days from daylight to dark <laughs> with, all, with all the camera crew. And I, we were like, you know what? Here. I mean, it, you, you put this in a case and display it. And uh, we were happy to do that. How many brothers are there? Have, do you know for sure? How many brothers do you have? I mean, there's so many of you guys. Four of us. There's and we do have a sister, too. That we do funny. have a sister, yes. That came, the knowledge of came yeah. later on in life. But, uh, yeah. Well, all right. Willie is probably was the best known. How does he feel about you're the older brother? Uh, how is he? He's not involved in this. No, he's not. He did make a guest appearance, and uh, he basically made fun of he us. He laughed at us the whole time and said, y'all are dumb. What are you doing out <laughs> here doing I'll, this stuff? But I'll tell you this. After some of the stuff we found, and I, I, kept, I keep saying this is not about what we what you find, but we found some stuff worth a lot of money on right. the show and uh, and a lot of crazy stuff, some stuff. Can you give me, without giving away, can you give yeah. me an idea of the steamboat you told me? Uh, we found something not from the earth. That's right. Uh, not we, from this planet. We found something worth in value over $50,000. Wow. Yes. Meteor? Uh, well, I'm not going to comment. You'll have to watch the show. But we, we found some crazy stuff. Should we? So, should I say that I was invited to stay over? I had dinner at your house, right? You did, yes. And I thought it was. I saw the whole complex. I guess <laughs> whose house was it where I actually had dinner? Was it Willie's house? Yeah, it was Willie's. Right. Yeah. Do you know I got pulled over? No, so I didn't know yeah, that. so I'm driving. There's no street signs. 
So yeah. I'm pulling over. So I'm, you know, I'm a little bit behind. I was at your dad's house, and I'm driving over, and I get pulled over. So I'm being pulled over on the side of the road, and I'm trying to explain. The cop wants nothing to do with this. So in the middle of it, I text Willie, and I go, Willie. I'm stuck in the side. He goes, where are you? I go, I don't know. I'm in the street side. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. he hops in his car, and he knew the cop. They start yeah. hugging it out. And he says, do you know them? He goes, yeah, they're friends of mine. He said, well, he's, he goes, he's the only reason I'm not giving you a ticket right now. Yeah. So, well, I mean, that's, that's just I, it. The, every, the cops know each other. Everyone knows your family. They do, but they do a lot of security for us. And, I mean, look, when you go public. No, I didn't get close enough for security. He had to go find me, Willie. <laughs> but I'm saying they know us from all the things yeah. that they provide security. And, look, we're a big supporter of our law enforcement. We have a great relationship with them. But they do a lot of work. We employ them a lot because we're doing things where they're the security. Right. Because, look, when you go public with your faith, uh, I, I believe we're making the world a better place, you know, through the Lord. But we also draw a few crazies and a few people that, that doesn't particularly like us, you know. So uh, we need security. And so we, we know them on a first-name basis. But I hadn't heard that story. <laughs> I didn't either. Yeah, I was <laughs> keeping it from you because I want you to think of me uh, differently. Uh, Jace. <laughs> I go to your dad's house. So the, my first stop is your dad's house, mom and dad's house. And your show is number one in the country or the number top show. And he says, I'm using some of the money you want to see. And all he did was put extend his closet uh, on his house. <laughs> yes. And he's like, yeah. we haven't moved the stuff in, but we wanted, uh, my, my wife always wanted, your mom always wanted a bigger closet. Yeah. That was it. So you're making all the money you could afford. They you left. could buy 25 houses. But all you did is expand no. the closet. Now, he does buy a lot of land property, which I think is a great investment because they don't yeah. make more of that. So, But my <laughs> house is just very normal. It's the same hey, house same I house. lived in when I was eight years old. And, I mean, look, you, you're you not going to hurt my feelings. It, it's a it's just a rat nest. I mean, it, it's – but you don't put a lot of money in housing when you live in a flood zone, which is what they do. And when it floods, that place is not the place to be, but they ride them out every, every time it happens. And, it, uh, it floods a lot. It floods mm-hmm. a lot. And, look, they, they are the most charitable members, them and Sai, of our whole family. They do so many good works across the world. They they feel like that the money they made was a blessing from God. They don't need the money. And so they're involved in many projects that are awesome. So that's just the way they are. And famously, your dad was a quarterback with Terry Bradshaw. He was. In college. He could have been an NFL quarterback, but they played football during duck season, so he was and, out. And that was out. Now, he, let me, out. he said he found himself looking up at the sky every time at training camp. Were you guys yeah. athletic, too, or were you playing sports? Uh, we were. So, I just, she's going to hate this, my wife, but I tell my kids, I was Steph Curry before Steph Curry. I made a, I set a record That's in my a, high school. I made 11 three-pointers in one game. Yeah. So I'm just saying, that was like ninth grade. Were your parents helicopter parents yelling at the coach to get in the game? My dad parents, came to one game. My parents never came to our, our game. <laughs> yeah, really? So that deal about that somehow is going to scar you for life, not true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we were really poor, at, and so it was just hard for us to play sports. We lived so far away. It, it was just that we just had no money, so uh, it's hard to be involved. Jason, uh, Jeb Robertson, a few more minutes here. Duck Family Treasure, the brand-new series on Fox Nation, and it appears sometimes on Fox News. Always love having them in New York City. Back in a moment. Challenging conventional thought and wisdom. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. So they have a new 10-part series. Uh, It is called Duck Family Treasure. They're going out and digging up American history on American soil uh, and doing it the Robertson way. Jason Jeb in studio. You're watching him now on Fox Nation. A few more minutes. Jason, is it true? Now, Jeb, you can back me up on this. Did, Did Jay say he's taking me duck hunting? He said that during the break, right? One hundred percent. But, now, he, but, but I, he knows um, I have no experience. But you yeah. have one worry. I also said, "Don't shoot me," right? Because safety is the number one thing when you come and you've never been. You talked about the different way, the different culture that you grew up in. For me, many ways, one yes. of which the gun culture. Oh, exactly. Everybody had guns. I mean, it was encouraged. I had a you know, at eight years old. My dad handed me a shotgun. And he's like, "Here's how you do this, son." I mean, and that's just. That's how I was raised. I, I told you about when we had our hunter safety course that we had to take. We took it at school. So when I was in the ninth grade, and they all told us to bring our own guns. And so I just remember that vividly. We went out, shot skeet, and everybody got the That's hunter a big safety high car. school, too, Western I mean, Yeah. Well, I was at Woodlawn. Then, oh, gotcha. but, but it was still, I mean, there was probably 100 kids, and everybody brought their shotgun. Now, you're about, you're about 50, 51? 52. 52. How old are you, Jeff? 43. Was it different already by in your 40s? Were you doing the same thing? You could take your gun to school? I don't really remember that, but I kind of – I went to a little private school, so I don't know. I don't think there was as many hunters where I went. Yeah. But but do you want a responsibility and respect for the gun growing up with it? exactly. I mean, it was – safety was the first thing taught. And, I mean, you were taught the pros and cons of this, but – it was just never uh, – it was never talked about. That's why you you know something has changed in our world now, and it's not necessarily the gun. Because back then, we all had them, and we were bringing them to school. Gun and, racks in the parking lot. Oh, no. I had the racks on my truck. You know, I, I had literally my guns hanging up on my back windshield. So what changed? I think when the technological world hit and people just – you know, they started alienating themselves, and then you had a breakdown of the home, and then all of a sudden you're living in this fantasy land. I, I believe young people get off into this fantasy land of video games and shooting guns, and it's cool, and they're cut off from society, and then they don't know who they are. They lo- they're confused about their identity, and the next thing you know, they're not getting attention, and they want they want to get some attention. And have you seen, real quick, have you seen a Jeopardy when your kids? Uh, I mean, I have a son that's a gamer, but I, I 100% counteract that with we go hunting. And so he does both. So. Yeah. Well, it's like, uh, you know, they said this one of these school shootings was just so unfortunate. He was literally posting on social media. That was the only thing rational he was doing the whole time because he's, he's wanting to become famous. He's wanting mm-hmm. to be heard. He's angry. Well, uh, Duck Family Treasure, a chance to see Jeb and the Robertsons back in action along with Jace. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show, one 866 Coming to you from Midtown Manhattan, heard around the country, heard around the world, especially in the Ukraine. Bobby Barak joins us on OutKick, uh, brings us inside what's going on in, I guess, would have the disruption with Stephen Colbert, one of his staffers getting arrested. We're also going to be talking about uh, something else going on, and that is the lack of ratings for just about everybody else and the soft peddling of all things Joe Biden-related 
the band, the the dam seems to be busting on people pretending as if Joe Biden's got his A game out. This real quick, this news, the Supreme Court has made a ruling. A whole bunch are going to be coming out shortly. Uh, the conservative majority has tossed out New York State's restrictive regulations for getting concealed carry pistol permits. 6-3 decision written up by Justice Thomas. The justice said Americans have a Second Amendment right to keep a handgun in the home for self-defense. And that individual right has now has now been expanded. The divided court decision comes at a time of rising crime, as you know. That issue is a challenge of New York's permit laws, similar to the seven other States require most applicants to demonstrate proper cause to receive a gun license for a concealed handgun. Lower courts have upheld the 108-year-old New York State regulation. New York says its law is enforced in the name of public safety. However, it infringes on the Second Amendment rights. According to this court, uh, therefore, concealed carry uh, conditions have been loosened up. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Sponsored by LifeVac. Save a life in a choking emergency. Visit LifeVac.net to learn more and use code BK10 to save 10%. Number three. Hispanic voters are no longer automatically Democrats. In fact, they are openly hostile to the Democratic Party. Joe Biden's support among Hispanics has dropped to a stunning 24%. The only group that continues to enthusiastically support Joe Biden is college-educated white voters in urban areas. That was Tucker last night. Politics, a massive shift in the electorate. Blacks and Hispanics going elsewhere. Can the Republicans lure them in, or are they just going to bow out? Number two. It will send money, not just to states that decide to implement so-called red flag laws, but to every state to fund crisis intervention programs of their own choosing. And states that do not use the money for red flag laws will have to build in new due process protections that have never, never been required before. Gun deal done. It should be or should it not be passed. Will Republicans vote for it? It seems like they will. Every Democrat will do it. And it looks like the House will go along with it. What it means for you. Number one. To the companies running gas stations and setting those prices at the pump. This is a time of war. Global peril. Ukraine. These are not normal times. Bring down the price you are charging at the pump to reflect the cost you are paying for the product. That is uh, President Biden having a ridiculous speech yesterday. New lows. He blames inflation, oil and gas prices on, well, gas station owners, oil and gas producers, Vladimir Putin, maybe even you for being a little selfish. The real culprit, Mr. President, just go get a mirror. I mean, I don't want to bore you with what he said because his, his speeches are so long and boring. He's very uh, rarely familiar with the copy. But the president came out and called out, uh, said to Congress, pass my idea of suspending the federal gas tax. Listen to him. Cut one. Today I'm calling on Congress to suspend the federal gas tax for the next 90 days through the busy summer season, busy travel season. Okay, fantastic. 18 cents. 18 cents. And there goes your infrastructure bill. Guess who's not going to go for it? Democrats, including the Speaker of the House. You didn't call up Nancy Pelosi and see if she'd entertain it? And there's somebody else that's going to get in his way if he wants to pass it. His name? Well, I think you know his voice. Senator Joe Manchin, cut 13. Now to do that and put another hole into the budget is something that's very concerning to me. And people need to understand that 18 cents is not going to be straight across the board. It never has been that you'll see an 18 cents exactly, penny for penny come off of that price. So 
I have great concern. I'm willing to listen and talk to everybody, but these are my concerns right now before I go and vote one way or the other. My other would be the political ramification. It goes off at the end of September. Which politician up here is going to be voting to put that 18 cent tax back on a month before the November election? I hear you. So that we just dig the hole deeper and deeper and deeper. So bottom line, you have concerns. It doesn't sound like you're on board with this. I'm not a yes right now, that's for sure. Of course not. Who cares? It doesn't affect anything. You're going to deplete the strategic oil reserve. You're going to take out 18 cents a gallon. When you realize the oil and gas industry gave you a detailed plan, rhetoric aside, uh, politicians, political gains on hold to say, these are the things we need to get done in order to increase our refining capacity. Now, we're basically at where we were in 2018 with 11.1 million barrels a day being produced. The problem the president accurately diagnosed is refinery problem. The other problem is they don't build new refineries. The one they were building in the Virgin Islands, the Biden administration stopped. And then the administration wasn't done yet. They wanted to blame other people, those selfish gas station owners, cut for. When the cost of oil does come down, we need the price at the gas stations that they, what they charge at the pump to come down as well. For example, in the last two weeks, the price of oil has fallen by more than $10 a barrel. Normally, this reduced the cost of the pump about 25 cents a gallon. Yet, so far, gas stations have only reduced prices by a few cents a gallon. How do you know what the problem is? Have you even asked anyone? Oil and gas execs coming to the White House? The president won't even meet him. He also blames this guy. Cut five. To the companies running gas stations and setting those prices at the pump, this is a time of war, global peril, Ukraine. These are not normal times. No kidding. You're blaming the gas station owner. These are major companies. These are gas station owners. Their profit margin is so thin. When you see that price going up, it's not because they're gouging. It's because they're trying to survive. And, of course, blaming Vladimir Putin. And what is the danger of giving Vladimir Putin credit for rises in inflation and gas prices affecting American society? He looks strong. He looks effective. It looks like he reversed the effects of the sanctions. It looks like he could turn to the Russian people and say, bear with me. We're really hurting our enemy now. That's the danger of it. And how could the former chairman of foreign relations not understand that? But he doesn't. So that, to me, is terrible. The other big story is what's going on with gas prices. Uh, That's always a big story. But other things going on with guns. After Uvalde, after Buffalo, John Cornyn was dealing with Senator Murphy. They headed up a a bipartisan panel. And here's some things that are going to be in this bill that's going to be voted on as early as today or tomorrow. They're going to have red flag laws, but not demanding each state do it, but providing money for it. Hopefully they do it in a responsible way, and it's detailed out in the plan. Number two, they're going to provide money for health care for kids in schools, as well as psychological training for kids in schools, and harden the security in schools. In other words, providing money for big and small uh, towns and communities to get the protection they need, as you see with some of these cities. It's not just New York City where there's a problem. There's small towns that are having a problem, and I seem to like that. I don't have a problem with extended background checks for 18-year-olds. I don't have a problem with this 18-year-old who these last two shooters were 18, couldn't wait for turn 18. Nothing was in their background check because of the juveniles. 
Now the gun owners have to go find out from their schools, from the state police, is there a record on these guys, these women, before I sell them a gun? That, to me, I don't have a problem with. But many people will have a problem with the guns uh, and with, with everyone saying. One of those people is Lauren Boebert, Cut 26. You mentioned Uvalde. We, we see now what actually happened there and uh, the, the time that it took um, to actually get that situation under control, if that's even what you call that. Should have right in. Yes, exactly. Um, we need to harden our schools. We need to secure our schools. And this bill doesn't exactly do that. This isn't where we need to start. We don't need to start with infringing on the rights of American citizens. I don't know if it's infringing on the rights. I mean, you could still have an AK-47. I think, you know, everyone's got expanded background checks. We all accept that. I think we all should accept that. I worry about the red flag laws, where you, people are going to do it because you don't like that Brian Kilmeade's got a gun. Next thing you know, the cops are knocking at my door and say, listen, you've been accused of being violent. We're going to take your gun until we can investigate. Then I got to get a lawyer to get my gun back. I got to make sure that Senator Cornyn and company understand that people can use it as a weapon. People get divorced. Well, you know what? My husband left me for somebody else, and he loves guns, he loves hunting, he loves shooting, goes to the shooting sports. I think I feel threatened. Next thing you know, knock, knock, knock on your door. We'd like your gun, please. Wrongly accused. Now, are you knocking on my door? If I am a threat, are you knocking on my door, grabbing that gun, saving lives? Yeah. Can you do both? That's going to be the key. When we look at what happened in Uvalde, and I want to get into too much detail, I'm so horrified about what happened. There was enough cops to take this guy out. There was a cop who eyed the shooter three minutes before he entered the building. They lied to us to say he was confronted. They lied to say one teacher left the back door open. They lied to say the classroom was locked. They lied that they were waiting on the outside for the proper equipment to come. They lied about all that. The one guy in charge seems to have totally screwed up beyond comprehension, and others didn't want to defy command and get in. The door was open. It was not the teacher's fault. The classroom was not locked from the inside. This guy would have been sitting out. Some kids did bleed out. A teacher bled out. If he got in there in the first few minutes, even if the shot stopped, these people could have been saved with proper medical attention. How they did not realize that is beyond me. Steve McCraw is director of the Texas Department of Public Safety. Cut 28. There's compelling evidence that the law enforcement response to the attack at Robb Elementary was an abject failure and antithetical to everything we've learned over the last two decades since the Columbine massacre. Three minutes after the subject entered the West Building, there was sufficient number of armed officers wearing body armor to isolate, distract, and neutralize the subject. The only thing stopping a hallway of dedicated officers from entering room 111 and 112 was the on-scene commander who decided to place the lives of officers before the lives of children. Now, listen, what more can I say? It's horrific to think that your kid is bleeding out and the cops are on the outside with proper equipment and this 18-year-old with no experience that should have been shot before he entered the school was allowed to sit there for an hour and 41 minutes. And what I hate is the seeing the video of the parents trying to breach the perimeter and these cops zip-tying them, cuffing them, throwing them into buses, roughing them up. I wish they would have been just as aggressive to the shooter on the inside. Parents are not the bad guys in this situation. I am the biggest supporter of law enforcement, but law enforcement that I talk to is outraged by these decisions that we're all witnessing. Wouldn't you be? Especially if it was your family on the outside. 
So the, what I also am abhorred by is the lying that took place. John Onorelli is a guy you see on Fox News a lot, former FBI special agent, cut 30. The DPS director is a former FBI agent. He has the same training that we all received in the FBI, and he knows what officers on the ground were supposed to do. People can say whatever they want, such as the mayor saying, but the bottom line, the responsibility falls with the officers that were there immediately after the shooter entered the building, and it falls upon the shoulders of the on-scene commander, in this case, the chief of police for the school district. Unbelievable. Uh, these are these are special agents, law enforcement experts talking about law enforcement. I'm the last guy to sit in judge, never wore the uniform. I'm not arresting people for a living. But the lying and the ineffectiveness and the lack of action when everything was there, and by all accounts, rehearsals had even been done before. This guy has now been suspended, the, the police chief in charge from his council position, um, and hopefully fired. I don't know what his intent was, but the fact that he is lying, hiding, makes me know that he knows, makes me think that he knows what is taking taking place and nothing good on him. You're listening to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move. When I come back, I'll take your calls, one 408 7669 Don't move. Politics, current events, and news that affects you. Brian's got a lot more to say. Stay with Brian Kilmeade. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. We just received some very disturbing news from Washington that the Supreme Court of the United States of America has stripped away the state of New York's right and responsibility to protect its citizens. Today, the Supreme Court struck down a New York law that limits who can carry concealed weapons. Does everyone understand what a concealed weapon means? That you have no forewarning, that someone can hide a weapon on them and go into our subways, go into our grocery stores like stores up in Buffalo, New York, where I'm from, going to a school in Parkland or Uvalde, this could place millions of New Yorkers in harm's way. Uh, That is just a decision that just came down. The Supreme Court uh, tossed out New York's restrictive gun regulations. Here's Jonathan Turley by the 6-3 decision. Here's Jonathan Turley. This is a momentous decision for gun rights advocates. Uh, It reminds me a bit of the Katz decision on privacy, where the court sort of restructured how we approach privacy cases. That's what Thomas is doing here. He's getting rid of what was called a two-step analysis that was used by lower courts and drew a very clear line that, like other individual rights in the Bill of Rights, uh, the presumption is in favor of the citizen. They don't have to shoulder this type of burden that they really need to use an individual right, uh, in this case, to, to, to carry a concealed weapon. All right. Uh, Brian, listening in Pennsylvania. Hey, Brian. How you doing, Brian? Good. You're talking about gas prices in Pennsylvania where they where they're curtailing fracking, I understand. Well, he looked at his cue card when he was in Pittsburgh and said, am I going to say I'm going to cancel fracking or not when he was on his his ridiculous tour? But the other other thing about it is obviously he doesn't understand economics or they don't care about them. I think it's a lot of things they're doing are on purpose, but the, the competing gas stations, I don't know of one that's around anymore that is just selling gas anyway so they're competing 
and lowering their price to get people in to buy food. Most are convenience stores. So it it doesn't make sense why they would gouge any more than they, they can, again, to compete against each other because they're making most of their money on food. So it was an idiotic statement. Yeah. Here you uh, Eric, who's on WOKV in Jacksonville. Hey, Eric. Great to talk to you again, Brian. Um, that, that caller's right. It's smoke and mirrors. Uh, we haven't built a refinery in this country since, I think, 1978. And we've had instances where there was oil stacked up to the clouds. Gasoline runs cars, not oil. The refineries can't keep up. And as long as these, uh, I guess we'll call it the green activists, or like not in my backyard, we got plenty of room here in Florida. I'd gladly live right next to a refinery to go back to dollar seventy a gallon gasoline. But it's a supply. It, there's, there's plenty of oil. We have it. Right. You got to get it refined. And they had one about to be built in Virgin Islands, and they just stopped it, believe it or not. Sean, WDBO. Sean. Hey, good morning, Brian. I'm glad you're doing well. Hey, you know, you mentioned something there. I'm talking about the red flag laws and concerns about, you know, what if somebody bears false witness? Let's go back to the Old West style of justice where you bear false witness and they find out that you're lying about the accusation. You get the punishment intended for the individual. That'll put a stop to that kind of crap real quick. Yeah, I mean, that would be, uh, you know, strict, uh, you know, strict laws for lying about it. Absolutely. But just in that period when you have to go to trial or maybe hire a lawyer to get your gun back, that's what we're trying to avoid. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Triumph offered to go down to D.C. and interview some Congress people to highlight the January 6th hearings. After they'd finished their interviews, they were doing some last-minute puppetry and uh, jokey make-em-ups in a hallway when Triumph and my folks were approached and detained by the Capitol Police. This was first-degree puppetry. <laughs> this was hijinks with intent to goof. In this case, our puppet was just a puppet doing puppet stuff. Stephen Colbert explaining away what took uh, what happened in Capitol Hill. They got one of his guys arrested and all of them reprimanded, uh, and they called it an insurrection, and he's outraged by it. We do not know the truth yet. I think more is going to come out. There is reports that they kept banging on Republicans' doors uh, in the Congress and Capitol Hill and causing an uproar and did not leave when they were told to. In Congress, while there's a big January 6th hearings about people who refused to leave the Capitol, unbelievably tone-deaf and sanctimoniously Stephen Colbert is defiant and saying it's there's no equivalency. Is he right? Bobby Barack writes for Outkick.com, comments in every comments and speaks out on all things media related. Bobby, welcome back. Hey Brian, thanks for having me. By the way, just hearing Colbert talk like that, I still can't believe he's the guy that replaced David Letterman, one of the funniest guys on TV. And now we have this guy in his place. To me, that's just so unbelievable. Well, what what happened is he was very successful in the Colbert Report. Got it. Daily Show was very successful. The two people that replaced, uh, the person that replaced Jon Stewart is not good. And by even though he gets great uh, applause everywhere, everyone seems to say, say positive things about him. But the show's terrible. And Stephen Colbert's show is basically should be on MSNBC. Yeah, absolutely. And 
this story is fascinating to me because I want to take listeners back to the day after January 6th when Colbert went on TV from his basement, really in tears, saying how this compares to 9-11, that this is the darkest day since then. And here we are two years later, and he's making light of that same thing by saying he sent his producers there for, I believe his exact words were, intent to goof. And like you just said, we don't know all the details, but there's reports, including one from the Daily Wire, which I suggest people read about, yeah, banging on doors during a January 6th hearing and refusing to leave and coming back after they were told to exit the Capitol. Um, These people were charged with the same trespassing that several other people were on January 6th, but the difference is they didn't go immediately to a D.C. jail in solitary confinement. So it's completely different as far as this was handled. And for Colbert to go on TV and act like, how dare you come after us and criticize us for joking, it just shows the entitlement this guy has that he believes he can do no wrong. I mean, I go back to he called January 6th 9-11-S. Would he do a similar sketch art to reenact a 9-11 hearing? And I think this entire thing is tone deaf. It's so revealing about where comedy is. And I use that in air quotes. In Colbert is that such an entitled personality. Yeah, I don't know what happened to him. Uh, so the other big story is, is what's going to happen to Joe Biden. There's more and more people in his party that say he should not run again. And he uh, he is really getting questioned about his performance, his policy, ability to Uh, Do an interview, answer questions on his feet, stay on his feet, not fall off a bike, not fall upstairs. David Axelrod uh, yesterday to the New York Times saying, you know, Gavin Newsom might be a good person to replace him. Everyone talks about maybe these governors, but no one talks about Kamala Harris. And here's why. I mean, she doesn't seem to know the issues, takes off every weekend, not comfortable in front of the camera. For example, cut 10. Let me just tell you that uh, the president and I and our administration is absolutely committed to doing everything that we can to bring down the cost of gas at the pump. And um, the announcement that the president made today is in furtherance of that, understanding that there are many tools and lessons that we can pull, and this is um, one of them. And so we will continue to focus on that because it's a real issue for the American people. I mean, she just says the most obvious, doesn't scintillate, great opportunity, doesn't use it. And you say her critics have one thing in common, you write. You think most of her critics are because white men don't like her. That's what Joy Reid says. Yeah, so last week Joy Reid said that because Kamala Harris's VP approval rating just plummeted once again, I believe it's the lowest ever for a VP, Joy Reid went on air and said the only reason her approval rating's down is because white men in the media don't allow her to be herself and that white men the media have unfairly criticized her um what uh first of all there's not a politician less criticized by the media at large than kamala harris i mean the washington post new york times cnn msnbc they never criticized her they didn't hold her accountable for not showing up at the border which she was supposed to um she's the most protected major politician going by the corporate press so to say that white men in the media are the reason her approval ratings down is so lazy and just inaccurate and just an attempt to race bait by joy reed I, I can't i mean i can't believe msnbc just allows these lies time and time again and kamala harris like you said she's proven in 
incredibly incapable of doing her job. She can't even lead her staff. Last I know, uh, as of like Monday, a dozen people from her staff have quit. And there's a report from Political, an eye-opening one, says that she's, quote, a soul-crushing bully boss, that people around her don't want anything to do with her, that she's that vile to them. So there's a lot of reasons not to like Kamala Harris, and none of them have anything to do with white men in the media um, not allowing her to be herself. Quite frankly, every time she is herself on camera, she becomes even more unlikable. Yeah, I guess she has 28% approval rating, 51% disapproval rating. Uh, that in uh, That's where she's heading in her career. Great opportunity for someone with a lot of energy uh, to really take control of the party. She would have been the perfect, but she doesn't, put, doesn't seem to put in the work or understand the issue. When you look at what's happening right now with minorities, look at the Hispanic vote. Look at the black vote. Do you think there's a permanent shift or is Joe Biden just pushing everybody away? Yeah, the Hispanic vote is stunning. I mean, every week you see those reports and just, I mean, how damning that could be for Democrats just going forward in all these elections. Yeah, Brad, I think that Democrats, they, they do have to worry about this because what's happening is this, and I've said this before, they're catering to such a small minority of Americans that I just I don't believe represent the vast majority of voters. They're not the party for the working class, and I don't think they're issues that they're focusing on. Most Americans just don't care. I mean, all of their angles right now seem to be losing propositions. Um, look, Biden makes everything worse because I believe that he's just an incredibly unpopular president. But I think they have a lot of concerns because they branded themselves ever since 2016 as the party for minorities, a party that's going to push back against white supremacy. Yep. And the very people they say they're fighting for are now rejecting their policies because I think they know they're phony. So if those people aren't voting for you, the very people you're branding your campaign around, that's pretty problematic. So what do you, what is your take, Bob? We're talking to Bobby Barack of OutKick. Uh, what is your take of the January 6th hearings and what kind of damage, if any, it's doing to the former president? Yeah, I mean, we talked about this before it happened. I mean, I thought if they had something really damning, they would leak it and to get press out before it. They haven't done that. I don't know that they've really uncovered all that much. I think they've pretty much made the people that hate Trump and blame him for it hate him even more. I mean, the biggest headline coming from this has been his phone call. With Mike Pence, I don't see it doing all that much. Um, we discussed before, could other people in the Republican Party see this as a fatal blow to Trump? Perhaps. But I don't think it's been that. I mean, there were some numbers this week that it hasn't really changed the minds of anybody. I think it's more just the people that already don't like Trump and blame him and don't want him to run again just feel stronger about it. I think a lot of other people just say we're still on January 6th. We're still talking about this horrific day. I mean, we're 18 months later. Like Kellyanne Conway has said on Bill Maher two weeks ago, January 6th was bad, but every day doesn't have to be January 6th. We don't have to wake up every day and rehash this event. I believe the vast majority of Americans feel that way and think, look, Trump had a rally that day, but he's not responsible for grown adults acting recklessly. Um, I don't think this is going to have any impact and shift very many votes come 2022 or even 2024. Lastly, you wrote about a 75-year-old famous author, James Patterson, apologizing because he came out with a statement that basically is true. It's not easy being a white male today as an author and trying to get a book deal, even for him. 
he uh, he came out and apologized. He says, I apologize for saying white male writers having trouble finding work is a form of racism. I absolutely do not believe that racism is practiced against white writers. Please know that I strongly support a diversity of voices being heard in literature in Hollywood and everywhere. You think the apologizing is just the wrong way, especially here. Oh, yeah. I wrote a column about this, and I hope your listeners check it out. I mean, this whole thing that we have to apologize every time somebody is purportedly offended is so backwards. You go back to James Patterson. What did he really do? He said that publishing companies aren't looking to hire white male authors. Well, that's absolutely true. They've admitted that, as, as has most media companies, every time they put out these press releases saying that diversity is our number one priority, they're, they're saying and admitting, whether you agree or not, that they want to hire fewer white men. So he's absolutely right that younger white male authors are not getting the same opportunity because publishing companies want to prove that they're on the politically correct side of this and don't want to add more white male authors. Look, you can argue if that's right or wrong. I happen to think it's very wrong. But what he said is the truth. But the mob came from him on Twitter, and now he's apologizing. I don't understand why we must apologize for telling the truth, telling the joke, or like that guy from Jeopardy making the okay sign, and now you have to apologize because they've appropriated that into a white supremacy hand gesture. I mean this is all going so far, and I documented in this piece all those who have apologized haven't won. I mean, the progressive left just captures you and weaponizes you. The few people who have not apologized, like Dave Chappelle, are winning. Because once you give them an inch, these people expect a mile. When you fight back and say, wait a minute, I'm not going to apologize for being myself, what do these people demanding for an apology do? They don't do anything. Um, Whatever you want to call it, cancel culture or the progressive movement, this only works if the targets comply. If you don't comply, if you don't play by their rules, you can win. The only winning move, Brian, is to not play. So I think people need to stop participating in this unreasonable expectation that we have to apologize every time somebody says they're offended because most of the time they're not offended. Right now, being offended is empowerment. I hear you. Uh, Bobby Barak of Outkick. Thanks so much, Bobby. You can follow him at uh, Barak, B-U-R-A-C-K, Bobby. Thanks, Bobby. Appreciate it. Brian, thanks so much. All right, we're going to come back and find out if there's a need to know more and review that Supreme Court decision on New York and guns. This weekend, check out Brian's new show on Fox News Channel. His new Saturday show lets him ruin your weekends, too. Take it easy, Gutfeld. That really hurts. One Nation with Brian Kilmeade. Saturdays at 8 p.m. Eastern on Fox News Channel. More of Brian coming up. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. This is going to have an immediate impact. There are a lot of states that have these types of rules. But more importantly, it's a shot across the bow for states to say, look, if you're going to start restricting Second Amendment rights, Mm -hmm. then you need to know that the burden is on you. Now, having said that, Thomas also says that the Second Amendment does allow limitations on gun uh, rights in places like polling places. And he says this isn't changing any of that. 
Uh, so I think, as Shannon noted, uh, this is not just uh, a runaway train uh, that uh, is going to, to, to remove all gun uh, limitations and restrictions. And that is uh, the Supreme Court justice opinion that's going to affect New York. Uh, some rules that have been in place, according to this, this, uh, this ruling was just handed down by the Supreme Court, have been in place for 108 years. Uh, but right now, the Supreme Court uh, ruled with a conservative majority. They tossed out New York's restrictive gun regulations for concealed carry weapons. Uh, at issue is a challenge by New York's permit law, similar to seven other states, requiring most applicants to demonstrate proper cause to receive licenses for concealed gun. About half the states allow most citizens to carry concealed weapons in most public uh, public in most public places without requiring a permit, background check, or safety training, like Florida, for example. New York says its law is enforced in the, in the name of public safety, uh, but that's not going to happen. Lower courts upheld the 108-year rule. The New York Supreme Court on a 6-3 decision didn't. Uh, some idiots like Keith Oberman are having a meltdown using expletives to talk about disbanding the Supreme Court. It's always great to see uh, idiots like that out there. Let's find out if there's more to know. More to know. Tony Siragusa, uh, one of the great guys you will ever meet, certainly a fantastic football player, one of the most popular in the locker room with the press and with the general public, has passed away at the age of 55. It's a sad day to be a Raven, I say, according to uh, Jamal Lewis, one of his good friends and a running back with the Ravens. Uh, You know, he was also in The Sopranos, great friend of this show. Uh, This is the word from the owner of Steve Biscotti, the owner of the Ravens. Renee and I are stunned and heartbroken to learn about the sudden passing of Tony Saragusa. He was a special person, clearly one of the most popular players in Ravens history. He was also a standout in the Colts and was a walk-on. He will be missed. He's also a successful businessman, too. No stranger to WABC listeners because he was a big guy in Jersey. Uh, I I have to say... That of all the guests that I've interacted with, he's among the top five as far as just fun, non-political Real. guests. Totally comfortable in his own skin. Yeah, you can chat about with him about anything. And I think I told you off the air, but this is funny. One of the times we had him on, after the hit was over, he kept talking to me. And I'm looking at the clock. The hour was ending. It was starting the next hour. I had to actually tell him. I Listen, I had to tell him I had to go. Yeah. He's got his own private flight, uh, private planes, private aircraft. Yeah. Uh, real successful businessman. Way, died way too young. Uh, next, airlines have tripled the number of daily cancellations. A thousand flights across the U.S. are axed today as summer travel chaos intensifies. Unbelievable. I don't want to get into detail. If you've tried to fly, you know how bad it is. I just see no end in sight, which is sad. Next, a bloodhound named Trumpet. I saw them on Fox and Friends today. Got a chance to pet uh, Trumpet. Never saw a bloodhound in person before. That is the the Westminster winner of the dog show, Best in Show. Uh, Beat out a French bulldog and a German shepherd. Could not be more diverse. Red eyes actually smells blood. I did not know that. Oh, I did not know that either. Next, Mercury, Venus, Mars, and Jupiter and Saturn have lined up in a rare alignment. Special thanks to our solar system. I never felt luckier to be here. All lined up. It won't happen again until 2040. Last time this happened, 1864. Hopefully this is we're not the precipice of the end of a civil war. Well, you got you got until Saturday to see all of these uh, line up. So if you're going to take a shot and look out with some binoculars, this is the time. I'm probably I'm going to be drawn to Saturn with the rings. 
Publix is not giving COVID-19 vaccines to children younger than five. A spokesperson for the supermarket said about two-thirds of the public stores are in Florida, which was the only state not to pre-order the vaccines. Vaccines won't be available for the youngest kids in the county of health, uh, health departments in Florida. Many private health care providers throughout the state are offering them to some children younger than five. A lot of parents are like, are you kidding me? I'm not even considering doing that. Others can't wait to do it. I worry about them mandating it into these schools and preschools because uh, a lot of people aren't comfortable with it themselves, let alone giving it to a toddler. Three shots before you're one? Nuts. For me, maybe not for you. I'm Brian Kilmeade. Make sure to watch One Nation Saturday night at 8 o'clock again at 11. See you on Fox and Friends and keep it here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.